If you suddenly found yourself on the southwest side of Costa Rica and felt the need to scratch that ever-persistent human itch for adventure, you could probably satisfy it by doing what so many others have done, taking your chances by sailing out into the Pacific Ocean. Once you made it roughly 350 miles, or 550 kilometers, beyond the shoreline of Costa Rica, which would take you somewhere around 36 hours of sailing these days, you would see a place that has captured the minds, imaginations, and obsessions of countless sailors, adventurers, explorers, and treasure hunters for centuries. An island so striking Jacques Cousteau once called it the most beautiful island in the world. It's small, with an area a little over 9 miles, or 23 kilometers, but the compelling history surrounding this island, this blip on the map called Cocos, greatly outweighs its deceptively small size. There are legends about this place, legends telling of massive, unfound treasure hoards. Most of them are nothing but fabricated yarns, or legends so exaggerated from the original histories they sprang from that they're now pure myth, or the tall tales of treasure hunters purposefully spread to confuse and deter others from exploring the shores of this tropical, mysterious place. While we can't put too much stock in myths that have not yielded anything in the way of actual evidence, or any conclusive information on the billion-dollar treasure that's rumored to be hidden, unfound, somewhere in this speck of green, we can explore the history of exactly why this place has been a focal point for treasure hunters over the last 200 years. Some of those hunters have died here, some have disappeared, and the rest have left empty-handed. So far, all risk has outweighed all reward, but it has made for some excellent adventure. Mutiny, pirates, and buried treasure await you in this episode about the real treasure island of Cocos. Let's see what we can find. I'm your host, Kristen Robine Terpstra, and this is the History Cache. Let's have a look inside. Cocos Island, with its volcanic peaks rising around 1,900 feet, or 575 meters, is peppered with the coconut trees that gave it its name. This island is not to be confused with the territory of Cocos, or the Keeling Islands, which is a small archipelago about halfway between Australia and Sri Lanka. The Cocos Island we're discussing is the National Park, which is a part of Costa Rica. When Scottish author Robert Louis Stevenson published his famous novel Treasure Island in 1883, it was a huge hit. He first published it in installments for a children's magazine before it was a novel. Audiences ate up the swashbuckling adventure with its pirates, mutiny, treasure, and bloody deaths. By the way, the best interpretation of that novel, hands down, is Muppet Treasure Island. 
I absolutely used this episode as an excuse to rewatch it. The premise of Jim Hawkins, a young innkeeper's son, finding a journal and a treasure map on a dead sailor, then embarking on a treasure hunt may seem unrealistic to us now. But for audiences in the late 1800s, it wouldn't have seemed so far-fetched. After all, they were much closer to what's been dubbed the Golden Age of Piracy than we are. In 1717, American colonial officials estimated there were around 1,500 pirates off the eastern coast of North America alone, waiting to take advantage of commercial vessels making their way to and from Europe. It wasn't always easy for pirates to find a market for their pillaged goods, so sometimes they would store their stolen goods in out-of-the-way places, not unlike Cocos. Some believe Cocos was the inspiration for Stevenson's Treasure Island. Others think it was the Shetland Islands, or Tobago, or any other number of bucolic places. Though Robert Louis Stevenson probably took inspiration from many different places, events, and historical figures, it is possible Cocos Island was one of them. It was already a famous place, well before Stevenson ever put pen to paper. In the 19th century, Cocos was a haven for treasure hunters, ripe with lore. Lore we should only take with a heaping spoonful of salt. There are so many people and treasure hordes associated with this one island that I can't go over them all unless I turn this into a multi-part series. Since most of these stories lead to dead ends that frustrate me, and I'm sure you'd get tired of historical breadcrumbs leading to nowhere, I'm just going to cover a few of the big ones that take us to the interesting historical bits. And there are plenty of interesting historical bits, because some of the purported treasure caches of Cocos did belong to people we know existed. People like Captain Henry Morgan, the Welsh privateer who fought for the English against the Spanish in the 1660s and 70s. This is the guy you see on spiced rum labels. He famously sacked Panama City in 1671, even though England and Spain had signed a peace treaty, which he may or may not have known about. It's said he hid millions of dollars worth of treasure on Cocos, although this seems unlikely. He died rich and famous in Jamaica in 1688, and no verified trace of anything that can specifically be traced back to him has ever been found on Cocos. According to The Guardian, pirate Captain Edward Davis, who pillaged Spanish colonial towns and ships with British royal approval, used Cocos as a safe haven in the late 17th century. The pirate Mary Welsh claimed she saw Captain Bennett Graham, British naval officer turned pirate, bury the Devonshire treasure, named after the ship that transported it, on Cocos Island when she was a member of his crew in the early 19th century. This treasure was said to be made up of a decently sized chunk of the 350 tons of gold he'd raided from Spanish galleons. Graham and his crew were eventually caught, and he and his officers were executed. However, according to an article from PBS, Mary Welsh and his other crew members were sent to a penal colony in Tasmania. 
Decades later, after her release, she led an expedition to Cocos with a chart and a compass she claimed had been given to her by Graham. Once there, despite the chart and her eyewitness account, she said she couldn't remember the exact spot where the treasure had been hidden because the landmarks had all been washed away in storms that had hit the island over the years. The expedition found nothing, and from what I could find, none of Graham's other crew members ever claimed to have buried anything on Cocos Island. Benito Bonito, the Portuguese buccaneer who pillaged Central America during the 1820s, was said to have hidden an estimated, in today's dollars, 300 million worth of loot on Cocos. Again, no verified trace of this particular treasure has been found. That may mean it had been recovered at some point by someone who knew it was there, or it may mean it's just one more tall tale in a long line of tall tales surrounding Cocos. The treasures of Captain Morgan, Benito Bonito, Edward Davis, Mary Welsh, and others who used Cocos as a refuge or a possible stop to store stolen goods were nothing compared to the island's most famous hidden cache. The fabled and extremely valuable treasure of Lima. This is how the story goes. In the early 19th century, Spain was losing control of its colonies in Latin America. One by one, they began to declare independence, and by 1811, Peru followed suit and began to rebel. Knowing the rebel army of José de San Martín was approaching, the Spanish viceroy of the colonial capital of Lima decided to safeguard the massive treasures Spain held in the city. Descriptions vary but the treasure of Lima was said to be made up of gold and silver ingots, chests of jewels, church valuables, diamonds, swords with jeweled hilts, and at least one full-size statue of the Virgin Mary encrusted with precious gems. The estimates on the value of this treasure vary. I've seen estimates as low as $160 million and as high as $1 billion so the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. Wanting to safeguard Spain's wealth, the Spanish viceroy commissioned Captain William Thompson, who commanded a British schooner called the Mary Deer. The treasure was loaded on board, and possibly on several other ships as well, all commanded by Thompson. His orders were to either remain at sea or set sail for Mexico, guard the treasure until the rebels could be dealt with, then returned to Peru with the riches of Spain when it was safe to do so. No one knows if it had been Captain Thompson's intention from the start to steal the treasure of Lima, or if he decided to do so en route. But steal it, he did. Thompson and his crew killed all the Spanish soldiers and priests on board, and set sail for the safe and secluded harbor of Cocos Island, where they unloaded the massive riches and hid them from the Spanish authorities who were busy dealing with a revolution, then planned to return later for their stolen booty. Thompson and his crew became hunted criminals immediately. Some accounts say they were hunted down by a Spanish vessel on the island. Some say they were caught while gathering supplies in port. Either way, the crew was discovered, convicted, and hanged. But, 
Thompson and his first mate were able to save their necks, quite literally, by promising to lead the authorities to the treasure of Lima they had buried on Cocos. They were taken back to the island under guard. While there, many sources claim they were somehow able to make their escape through the thick island jungle. After that, Captain William Thompson and his first mate disappear into history. And the treasure of Lima disappears with them. History is filled with hell-bent heroines whose stories have yet to be told. We're going to resurrect them, one brutally brave woman, one episode at a time. She was a master strategist who should be studied, and had she been a man, history would extol the ways in which she went toe-to-toe with nations far more powerful than her. Because she was a woman, History thought it more important to expound and expand on her brutality and her start as a prostitute. The truth is, she was mostly great and as brutal as necessary for her time and place. But mostly great doesn't cut it for women. You have to be a saint. I'm Rahle, and this is Violent Femme. There's a reason I've never covered the history of a lost treasure before. That reason is the sources surrounding these stories are usually, for lack of a less candid word, crap. So much is based on hearsay, or deathbed confessions that may or may not have actually happened, or second and third hand accounts, or questionable maps and charts that end up leading to nothing or people promising they've seen the treasure and will gladly share it if only they can get the funding to go back and get it, and so on and so forth. Then the centuries roll by and nothing turns up except one or two possibly interesting, minuscule finds that you could stretch into believing had something to do with the original legend, but no one can actually prove it. And the treasures said to still remain buried in the caves and shores of Cocos Island are just as troublesome when you get down to it. The more I researched this story, the more frustrated I became at not being able to definitively tie down any decent source that conclusively convinced me that there's anything waiting on this treasure island. But it's not the promise of actual treasure that kept me going. It was the adventure and the pull this island had on so many others who spent their lives and fortunes gambling everything on the chance they would find something. It's the history that kept drawing me in. It's like this place is a siren, and anyone who gets too close just can't seem to completely pull away from it. And that is worth exploring. After Captain Thompson and his first mate disappeared into history, taking the treasure of Lima with them. Cocos Island, which had already been a famous harbor for pirates and stories of treasure, became an obsession. And once, something was supposedly found on Cocos, 
Nothing that equated to the enormous hordes promised by lore, but something just fantastic and mysterious enough to tantalize the imaginations of other treasure seekers. And it was found by accident. According to The Guardian, in 1856, a group of hired mercenaries fleeing a defeat in Nicaragua landed on Cocos. Inside of a sea cave, they spotted a bronze-colored chain leading down into the water. When they pulled the chain up, they found a chest on the other end of it, full of Spanish doubloons. Confirming this story was tricky. In the Guardian's article, it says contemporary letters record the incident, but I couldn't find whose letters they were referring to, or any other reliable sources who referenced the find. So this one left me a bit incredulous. A little over 40 years after the chest of doubloons was or wasn't found, the Siren of Cocos called to British Admiral Henry St. Ledger Palliser. While on duty in 1897, he decided to take a bit of a side trip and harbor on the island to dip his toes in some treasure hunting. He found nothing and was reprimanded for diverting Queen Victoria's property to private use. Though his spontaneous treasure hunt got him nothing but an irritated queen, the treasure bug had bit him, and years later, Palliser would return to the haunting call of Cocos. More on that in a bit. In the meantime, the island was calling to another. German-American explorer August Giesler was convinced he could find both the treasure of Lima and the treasure of Benito Bonito on the island but he would need financial backing in order to put together an expedition. His idea was to colonize the island with tobacco farmers from Germany while he looked for buried treasure. The tobacco would hopefully help keep a steady influx of funding and be a financial incentive for investors. And to sweeten the pot, he told investors about a chest of gems he'd already found and reburied on a previous visit to Cocos. He just needed their money to go back and get it. You're probably thinking the story about the chest of gems is nonsense. And you're right. But Giesler had to get to Coco somehow, and he believed so much that he would find these massively valuable treasures, he didn't think lying about a chest of gems would be a big deal eventually. Cocos is a stunningly beautiful tropical island rich in diverse natural life. But its beauty hides its harsh and wildly rugged truths. If you have access to Google Earth on your phone or computer and you get bored later, you should totally Google Earth Cocos and see for yourself how dense and impossibly impassable this island is. Colonizing Cocos was impossible for Giesler or anyone else who ever tried to do it. It was a nightmare. Dense vegetation, unscalable rock faces, and wild hogs, the descendants of pigs brought on ships by early mariners, are just a few of the challenges facing anybody who sets foot on Cocos and goes anywhere past the beach. Giesler had been traveling to the island probably since the 1880s, in all, he spent almost two decades digging an extensive, back-breaking system of tunnels throughout Cocos, through solid rock and unforgiving forests. Some of those tunnels are still there to this day. 
Eventually, after losing battle after battle with nature, the tobacco farmers left, falling away one by one, giving up trying to tame the unrelenting wilderness. In the end, Giesler, the last of the colonizers to admit defeat, left the island after 19 years of searching for buried treasure. He had been in his 30s the first time he'd sailed to Cocos. He was in his 50s when he set eyes on its shoreline for the last time. According to most accounts, all the island gave him for his years of tireless, steadfast searching were six gold coins and a wasted fortune. Other accounts say he found nothing. A similar fate has befallen hundreds of treasure seekers who have staked their claims on the treasure island of Cocos. In 1904, after retiring from the British Navy, Admiral Henry St. Ledger Palliser decided to return to Cocos and try his hand once again at treasure hunting. This time, he was bringing dynamite, and the richest friend he had, the 7th Earl Fitzwilliam, on what was then the largest private yacht in England. After arriving on the island and not immediately finding any treasure, Palliser and Fitzwilliam grew impatient, so they decided to start blowing things up, thinking they would just destroy the island until they found something. This was as bad an idea as it sounds like it was, not to mention destructive to the fragile ecosystem, which they were not considering. Nor were they considering the safety of the workers they brought with them to do the heavy lifting. Eight of their workers were killed in the first blast. Fitzwilliam himself was also injured, but didn't sustain any serious wounds. After the eight deaths and Fitzwilliam's injury, the party left the island, and another team of treasure seekers, the ones who were still left alive, that is, sailed away empty-handed. The repeated failures and tragedies that befell treasure hunter after treasure hunter decade after decade on Cocos Island did nothing to deter future treasure seekers from searching. Sir Malcolm Campbell, British speed racer who set world speed records on both land and water, was drawn in by Cocos Island. This guy broke so many world speed records that he was eventually just trying to beat his own records over and over again. This World War I Royal Flying Corps veteran established land speed records nine times. He was the first person to be officially clocked at over 300 miles per hour, that's 483 kilometers per hour, in 1935. In case you were wondering, the current land speed record, according to Guinness World Records, was set by Andy Green of the UK in 1997, when he reached 763.03 miles, or 1,227.985 kilometers per hour in Utah's Black Rock Desert. That was the first time someone broke the sound barrier in a land vehicle. Although Sir Malcolm Campbell may have found some adventure on Cocos, he didn't find any treasure. Neither did U.S. President Franklin D. Roosevelt, who maintained a lifelong fascination with the island after a fishing trip there in 1935. 
in the 1930s, a man by the name of S. McFarlane Arthur managed to raise funds from British investors for his company which he called Treasure Recovery Limited. He told investors he would use scientific research methods to uncover the hidden millions he believed were on Cocos Island. He did manage to raise the funds he needed to put together an expedition, but he failed to obtain the necessary permits for that expedition from the government of Costa Rica. Within days of landing, 18 members of his party were arrested by Costa Rican police, and their equipment was confiscated. According to a 1935 article from the New York Times, MacArthur evaded arrest and left all 18 of his expedition members to face charges on their own while he fled back to England. The 18 party members who had believed MacArthur secured all necessary permits thought they would be spending the next two years searching for treasure on Cocos. It was an abrupt end to another failed treasure hunt. That same year, 1935, Belgian treasure hunter Peter Bergmans claimed he found a two-foot-tall golden Madonna, the one from Nazareth, not the pop star, chests full of gold and a human skeleton on Cocos. This claim was total bunk, but like Giesler, who had lied to investors about finding a chest of gems before spending two decades digging tunnels for no reason, Bergmans probably just needed funding. It's a story we've heard before. When Bergmans arrived on Cocos, without the proper permits, of course, he encountered four Americans who claimed they'd been shipwrecked there for four months. In actuality, the Americans had burned their own ship because they also didn't have permission to conduct a treasure hunt on the island. They thought if they burned their ship, it would force the Costa Rican authorities to let them stay and search for buried treasure. It did not. Both Peter Bergman's party and the Americans were evicted from Cocos by the Costa Rican authorities, who were by now pretty tired of kicking people off of their island. Cocos Island is an incredible, ecologically diverse, fragile ecosystem, and when people think there's treasure somewhere, it doesn't matter how pristine or environmentally important it is. They do things like blow it up with dynamite and dig a deranged series of tunnels all over it. The Costa Rican government decided it had enough of treasure hunters destroying cocos and illegally hunting for treasure on its shores, treasure that is largely based on unfounded and unverifiable information. Cocos Island is now a protected national park. In 1997, it became a UNESCO World Heritage Site, which garnered it international legal protections due to its unique ecology both on land and in its surrounding waters. According to UNESCO, or the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, it's the only island in the tropical eastern Pacific with a tropical rainforest. Because it's the first point of contact with the northern equatorial countercurrent, along with the myriad interactions between the island and the surrounding marine ecosystem, the island's waters are an ideal marine laboratory for the study of biological processes. Treasure hunting is now illegal on Cocos. Human presence on the island is restricted to a rotating group of conservation staff, a limited number of tourists drawn there for the crazy expensive but world-class diving, 
and visiting scientists. There was some excitement in 2012 when, after 18 months of negotiating with the Costa Rican government, adventurer and engineer Sean Whitehead was given permission to carry out a major archaeological survey of the island. His plan was to use, among other technological advancements, ground-penetrating radar that could detect voids and cavities at a depth of 60 feet, a drone fitted with cameras to compose a computer-generated 3D map of the island, a keyhole drill that could reach over 100 feet, and a probe camera that could be sent down an opening with a diameter as small as one inch. The caveat was that Whitehead couldn't just drill a bunch of holes in the island simply to find treasure. This had to be a scientifically driven expedition for extensive archaeological, geological, zoological, and ecological research. Whitehead agreed, and so was given permissions that lasted for six months. But Whitehead didn't want to begin his research without the TV production company that was coming along for his definitely not a treasure hunt expedition that he needed to be on TV for. The TV production company couldn't get things on their end organized in time, and too much time passed, so the permissions lapsed. After that, the Costa Rican authorities decided there was too much publicity related to the treasure hunting aspects of the expedition rather than the scientific aspects, and refused to grant Whitehead further permissions. And so, the only modern-day full-scale expedition to Cocos Island was ended before it even began. To this day, no major treasure hoards have been found on Cocos Island. There was a fake article that came out in 2016, saying park rangers had found $200 million worth of treasure after a storm. This article was put out by a satirical news commentary site called the Vatican Inquirer. They even say on their website all their stories are fake and satirical. Even so, unfortunately, some other sites mistook this article for a real story for quite some time, including the Vintage News, which I have used as a source before. I won't be doing so again for obvious reasons. Lesson learned. Hundreds of treasure hunting expeditions have occurred on Cocos Island. To date, None of them have found anything significant. It is possible treasure has been hidden on Cocos over the course of the centuries during its tenure as a way station for pirates and mutinous mariners. It's also possible that treasure was reclaimed by whoever had put it there. If Captain Thomas and his first mate really did escape after leaving the famous treasure of Lima behind on Cocos, then they disappeared afterwards. But wouldn't you? And wouldn't you return at some point to reclaim that huge hoard you had already risked your neck for once before? Or maybe wouldn't you lie about which island you'd stashed your stolen hoard on? It's not just the treasure of Lima that's rumored to be buried on Cocos, of course. Again, it would take a whole nother episode just to go over everything people have looked for on this island over the centuries. But if there was something there, you'd think that after hundreds of attempts and centuries of searching, someone would have found something. What this nerdy wet blanket is getting at is there's probably no treasure on Treasure Island. Or maybe there is, and I just needed to publish this episode before someone could find something so that the universe could prove me wrong. 
If that's the case, I wouldn't mind a Murphy's Law fee. Say, 1%. And if you think about it, there is treasure on Kokos. It's just in the form of interesting history and incredible biodiversity. If you go looking for more than that, I think you'll find Kokos isn't a place that gives up its secrets. But perhaps, probably not, but maybe, there is one clue left. One that lets us know, even offhandedly, that someone did come back for something. There is a carving on an old tree on Kokos. No one knows how old it is. No one knows who put it there, except the person who carved it, and the person who the message was for. Some believe it was left after treasure was retrieved. It's a message left in old, aging bark that reads simply, The bird has flown. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed hearing about the rich history of Cocos Island, and that you forgive me for that pun. I'll be back again in three weeks with more history for you. In the meantime, if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can email me, as always, at historycashpodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on both Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to help support the show, you can check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash historycashpodcast. You can also make a one-time donation. You can access the link for that on the website under the support tab. That website is historycashpodcast.podbean.com. Sound effects and background music were licensed through Envato Elements, theme songs from Audio Jungle. Stay safe, stay smart, stay curious. And until we meet again, my dear friends, go make some history.